Beyond the Mic with Sean Dillon. Joining us on the Starline is an accomplished author and artist. His latest book, Guitar, is available at a retailer nearest you. David Schiller, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Let's go Beyond the Mic. David, you've written a collection of books on eclectic topics, from See Your Way to Mindfulness, mm-hmm. Little Book of Prayers, The Little Zen Companion, and now three on guitars. Who encouraged you mm-hmm. to write? Oh, I don't. Uh, I think it was just something I really wanted to do, and um, people <laughs> seemed seemed okay with it, with the idea of it. So yeah, I just kept going. Where did you get your passion for the instrument? Growing up, you know, I grew up at a time when the guitar was really, really you know, exploding musically, and it seemed to be the instrument of choice for all the people that my friends and I love to listen to and spoke to us the most, and pretty much soon everyone I know is playing the guitar, and I started to play, and it just uh, went from there. In your book, you talked about starting lessons too late on the guitar. Is it ever too late to learn to play? No, it's never too late to play. In fact, I, I had lessons as a teenager. I didn't do well at it, and I went back in my 40s and started lessons again. It was really, it's, it was, it's wonderful. In your book of guitars, you've covered some of the most interesting guitars in music history. Which one is your favorite and why? You know, one of my favorites in the book is uh, Eric Clapton's Brownie. And oh, yeah. uh, it's, a, it's a basic Stratocaster. Uh, he, he used it. He had Brownie and Blackie, and we have Brownie. And um, I, I just love the feeling of it. Like, to look at this guitar is to see the the sort of the history of it, of how it was used. You can see Clapton's fingers on the fretboard. You can see the dings and the scratches. And on the headstock, there's even some cigarette burns. You know, you knew he was on stage or in the studio, and he had his cigarette wedged in there, and he got lost in the music, and the cigarette burned down. And you just... You know, you can sort of uh, sense that when you look at this guitar, the, the history of it and, you know, the music it gave us. I think the best part about this book is that not only do you read the stories about the guitars, but you actually see these guitars. You can see the passion in the building of these instruments. Really wanted the pictures. I mean, the pictures are so clear. It was printed beautifully. And you really, yeah, you see the detail. I mean, you see that cigarette burn I mentioned. You can... I have a picture of uh, Willie Nelson's guitar. You can, you know, there's trigger and the hole in the guitar. If you're familiar with it, and the uh, the hundred people signed that guitar, whether with pen or they scratched their name into it. That guitar, fifty years old, and what a story! You know, the stories that guitar would tell would be unbelievable. David. I think the one that I really enjoy the most of all the guitars, the one that really speaks to me, is the one that has a Mylar balloon in the middle of it. Oh, yes. <laughs> that, yes, that's uh, it's called the chrysalis. And the guy who made it was a, he studied insects, among other things. And he designed the guitar, the, the guitar is meant to travel, it collapses, so it has a graphite body, but it's very light, and it's designed like not solid, but like the parts of a wing. And then you, he used a mylar balloon. You blow it up and stick it in the guitar, and that became the body of the guitar. Um, and then, of course, there's the neck and strings attached to it, and it looks like nothing else. It really does. What was your first guitar, and do you still have it? You know, um, my first guitar... And I think this may be one of the reasons I got into 
writing and learning more about was a it was a K. K was a builder of uh, low to mid range guitars in the forties, fifties, and early sixties, I believe, and um, mostly sold through a catalog. So they were you know, relatively inexpensive, and it was also an arch top, so it had the violin holes instead of the round sound hole um, and a kind of a, a bowed body. So kind of an odd guitar for a kid. Um, and I don't have it. I wish I had it. It was very playable. It didn't it wasn't didn't sound beautiful, but it was really playable. It had a homely brown body, probably made out of mahogany or something like that. And um you know, Kay went on to build some interesting guitars, but they were um, certainly a mid mid-level builder. How many guitars do you own and which one is your favorite? I have three, which is, uh, I say I call it a modest collection because real guitar lovers, they start with a dozen. Um, And I have one acoustic and two electrics. And probably my favorite is a guitar that a, a guy in Greenwich Village built and made out of wood from an old speakeasy. Uh, called Chumley's, which I used to go to when I first moved to New York. And uh, it was not a speakeasy then, of course, but it was a hidden-away bar. And they were renovating it, and then he goes and gets the wood, and he made a beautiful, beautiful, like a Telecaster-like body uh, body guitar. And, you know, I see the knots in the wood, and I know it's, I know where the wood came from. And, uh, of course, it was made for me, so it was, it was my favorite which guitar builder are you most passionate about, past or present? I think the most intriguing is a builder. His name is Ken Parker. And he builds jazz guitars uh, unlike anyone else. Uh, a jazz guitar is big. It's heavy. It um, has a really punchy sound. Uh, some of them are absolutely gorgeous, some of the most beautiful craftsmanship. But Ken sort of is rethinking that. He's rethinking the weight. He's rethinking the type of wood that's used. He's rethinking how it's carved, everything about it, even how the body is joined to the neck and so on. And his guitars, one or two of them in the Metropolitan Museum of Art, their permanent collection. And you get on the phone and start talking to him, and he's an endless fount of information and ideas and innovation. And, um, you know, the, the downside of that is that, you know, for an average person like me, they're unaffordable, but they... His ideas are going to travel, and they're really interesting. If you could give one tip to a kid just starting to learn the guitar, what would it be? I think once you've got your first few chords down is to start finding other people to play with. Um, I think that really changed my, my, uh, my relationship with the guitar is when you start playing with other people, and you, you make music. Then you're really making music, and, you, um, and also you can learn a lot watching other people, and they can, you can teach them things, too. What makes the guitar the world's most seductive instrument? I think the infinite variety, uh, the fact that you can play any kind of music on it, uh, the fact that it's almost shaped like the human body and you get to hold it in your hands. Time's running out, so it's time for the Rocking Eight. First thing that comes to your mind. No pressure. Oh, okay. You've covered the topics of Zen, mindfulness, and guitars. What's the topic of your next book? Uh, attention. If you weren't an author, you would have been a? A landscape architect. Favorite guitarist of all time? Prince. Most underappreciated guitar? 
Martin Mahogany Body. What event in your life would make a great movie? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, crossing the English Channel when I was 20. If you could have any guitar, which would it be? I would have Brownie. Favorite three guitarists? Uh, Jimi Hendrix, uh, Mark Rabot, and Bonnie Raitt. In your expert opinion, the best sound from a guitar comes from this wood. Adirondack spruce. He misses his first guitar, thinks it's never too late to learn how to play it, and he wants kids to learn some chords? Just play. Author of Guitar, David Schiller, thank you so much for joining us today. All right, thanks so much. And that, my friends, is Beyond the Mic. Beyond the Mic.